Thank you. If you'll turn with me this morning to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read a familiar passage from the first 12 verses of the third chapter of Exodus. The title of my message is, is God Calling You, and we turn now to God's Word. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. As he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And God said, Certainly, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. And that is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again so much for uh, your word. We treasure it. We love it. We desire it. We need it. Father, we, may we pant for you even as the deer pants for the water brook. May our thirst for you and for your word be so intense, so great, that we can't wait to read it, that we can't wait to hear it, that we can't wait to be taught from it. And so I pray this morning you would bless our time together in your word, that you would use it in each of our lives. Father, you know us, you know our situations, you know our circumstances, you know our spiritual state. And so I pray that you would take your word and apply it to our hearts as only you can. And we pray that through it you would point us to Christ our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. 
I've been called to the ministry. How many times have you heard someone say something like that? I've been called to the ministry. Now, it is true that those of us who are, quote, in the ministry on a full-time basis are to be called to that position. The ministry of the gospel is not something into which someone is to enter on their own. No, it is a divine calling. And those of us who are ministers of the gospel are to sense that we are being called by God to serve Him in this way. The problem with that, the problem with talking about a call to the ministry, is that we give the impression that it's ministers and missionaries and other full-time Christian workers who are the only ones who are called. For some reason, we get the idea that it's people like me or people like Gavin or people like Joe who are called, but you are not. Because I'm standing up here this morning and you're sitting out there. Because I'm preaching and you're listening. Because I'm the minister and you're the congregation, we put it in our building, don't we? Minister and people. Like there's something different between us. There's something different about me that you don't have. That kind of mentality is paralyzing to the church. Because it's not just the ordained clergy who are called to serve Christ in His church. Every believer has a calling from God to serve Him. Every believer has been given gifts by God to use in the service of His church and in His kingdom. We make an unfortunate distinction between the called and the uncalled. Between those who have been called to the ministry and those who are the recipients of that ministry. No, the church grows the most when all of us understand that He has called and gifted each one of us in different ways to do different things in His church. And it is as we all realize those gifts and that calling, as we assume the responsibilities of fulfilling that call of God in our lives, then the church begins to grow and to prosper as God blesses us as we serve Him in His body. As we've mentioned already several times, I've just returned. A few hours ago. Fewer hours ago than I thought. I might have gotten somebody else to do this if I'd known it had been so short. From a mission trip to Belize. There were nine of us who went. Only one of them was ordained. Most people would say that only one of the nine had been quote unquote called to the ministry. Let me assure you, the other eight did more ministry than the ordained guy did. It's a wonderful illustration and example of how the gifts that God distributes to his people are not just those who have been academically trained 
or pastorally prepared. That God uses all of these people to accomplish his purpose and his will in the life of his church. It's a very, very important principle. The church is not completely dependent upon the work of the ordained clergy. And soon, you'll have two of those at North Point. Gavin begins his work tomorrow. He'll be ordained in November. And it will be easier than ever for you to say, let Bob do it. Let Gavin do it. Let them do it. And it will be easier than ever for us to assume that we are to do it. And easier than ever for us just to go ahead and do it. Because, to be honest with you, sometimes it's just easier to go ahead and do it. But that's not best for you. And that's not best for the church. And that's not best for us. That doesn't fulfill our calling, part of our responsibility. One of the key parts of our responsibility is to help you do it. To get you to the place where you can assume more and more responsibility for the ministry. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 that our job is to equip, equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. In a great sense, Gavin and I are to be equippers. Certainly doers, but equippers. Equipping you to find and to use your gifts so that the work of the ministry is multiplied many times over as you identify and use the gifts that God has given to you. That is how the church really grows and prospers. I've chosen to preach this morning, as you can tell, from this very familiar passage from Exodus 3. It's the amazing account of the burning bush, but I'm afraid that our focus on the burning bush, as amazing as it is, sometimes takes our attention away from the real focus of this passage, which is God's call to Moses. God's call to serve him in specific ways. So this morning I want us to look at that call in the light of how God calls us to serve him in his church and how we're to respond to that call when it comes. First, I want you to see that the call of God in the life of a believer is powerful. The call of God in the life of a believer, in your life, is a powerful call. It's authoritative. It is compelling. You know, you respond most to those whom you perceive to be in the most authority or to have the most authority over you. Isn't that true? Parents have authority over their children. Employers have authority over employees. Law enforcement personnel have authority over citizens. Teachers have authority over their students. As we found out yesterday, more than once, airport security 
has authority over travelers. I forgot yesterday. I had some coins in my pocket. And I told them, I don't have anything in my pockets. And they said, well, what's that jingling? Well, that made me a candidate to do this. And so when I got through doing this and walked out, they said, stand right here. Well, I stood right there. There was a lady standing there. I said, am I in trouble? They have authority over us. When people and authority over us tell us what to do, we do it. And the more you understand God's authority over you, God's power in your life, that God has a right to tell you as his child and us as his people what it is he wants us to do, then the more we will respond to it. Isn't it interesting? always comes back to our understanding of the character of God, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Your understanding of the character of God has such tremendous implications for your spiritual life. The greater your view of God, the more the pieces of the puzzle of your life fall into place. The less your view of God, the lower your view of God, the more confusing it is, the more difficult it is to try to understand what God is doing in your life. Here, this morning, we are seeing that the greater your view of God, the easier it is for you to respond to Him when He issues some kind of call to you to serve Him in His church. The call of God to His people is powerful. Moses was keeping the sheep of his father-in-law on Mount Horeb. You know the story of Moses. He was born in a time when Pharaoh had pronounced an edict that all the Hebrew baby boys in Egypt be killed. The midwives were to kill them at birth. Yet they survived birth. They were to be thrown into the Nile. Providentially, Moses escaped that edict. He did live. In fact, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Imagine The oddity of that. Here, Moses was a Hebrew being raised as an Egyptian. His people suffering mightily from the hands of Pharaoh and the Egyptians and him living in the comforts of the palace. One day, Moses had to make a choice. He was out and about, saw an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew And he chose the side of the Hebrew, not the Egyptian. And he killed the Egyptian to spare the Hebrew. And when word of that got out, Moses had to flee, and flee he did. He fled to Midian. And there he began to work for a Midianite shepherd, tending his sheep. He married the shepherd's daughter. The story picks up in Exodus chapter 3 in our text with Moses one day tending those sheep. And as he's observing the sheep, he sees something out of the corner of his eye, and it's a fire. 
There's a bush that's burning, but the more Moses looks at the bush that is burning, he realizes there's something strange about it. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. The bush is not being damaged. And so Moses began to walk over to the bush to see what was happening. And as it began to approach it, he heard a voice. The voice called his name twice. Moses! Moses! Now you've got to put yourself in Moses' shoes here. Here he is in the middle of the desert on a, on a mountain tending sheep by himself. He sees this odd sight. He's about to go check it out and he hears this voice called him. Moses says, here I am. And then God begins to instruct Moses. You see, the voice was the voice of God. And God told Moses, you know, to take his shoes off his feet, not to go near the burning bush, because in the bush God was revealing himself to Moses. The ground on which he was standing was holy ground. And then God went on to tell Moses who he was. Verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We're told, then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. What's the purpose of the burning bush? What's the purpose of the voice? What was the purpose of God's revelation of himself in such a dramatic and unique way to Moses? It was to demonstrate his power, his authority over Moses, to get Moses' attention so Moses would listen. You see, the burning bush really isn't the key part of the story. The bush is what God used to get Moses' attention. Because God was calling Moses. And he established first his power and his authority over Moses as he did. The truth is that if you don't get what Moses got, that is, if you don't respond to God's power and authority with a sense of awe and wonder, if you don't, in a sense, hide your face in fear from looking at God apart from the mercy and the ministry of Christ, you'll never respond when God calls as you should. See, God is a sovereign God. And He has a right to call you to do what He wants you to do, but you must first see Him as He is. Then second, I want you to see that the motivation for God's call is His concern for His people. The motivation for God's call 
for us to serve him is his concern for his people. Now, I put some thought into that, and I think that's without exception. I stand to be corrected, but I, I believe that every time God calls us to serve him, it is because of his concern for his people. That's exactly what God told Moses was the reason he was calling him here. Look at verses 7 and 8. The Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. I am aware of their sufferings. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. To bring them up from that land to a good land and a spacious land to a land flowing with milk and honey. What a wonderful picture we have here of the character of God. Here's this sovereign powerful God who has just gotten Moses' attention through this amazing burning bush, through this booming voice calling his name for this identifying himself as the God of his fathers, this sovereign God saying I've seen my people and they're under affliction I've heard my people because they're crying out to me. I'm aware of my people and the circumstances in which they find themselves. And so I'm going to help them. I'm going to take them out of their misery, out of their miserable condition in Egypt. And I'm going to lead them to a land that is so wonderful they will not be able to believe it. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Don't miss the point here that God saw and God heard and God was aware. Don't ever allow your understanding of the sovereignty of God as much as we love it, as much as we believe it. Don't ever allow your understanding of the sovereignty of God to cause you to picture him as a mean ogre over here unconcerned about the needs of his people God knows them if you're hurting this morning I want you to know God knows it if you're crying out to God because of some situation in your life or in your family's life or some friend's life know that God hears you he hears your cry God is aware he is aware of your situation and mine. When God calls people to serve Him. He's just like His call to Moses. Why did God come to Moses? Because He saw His people. He heard His people. He was aware of His people. We saw a lot of needs in Belize. Just the one little church where we worked. You know, it's, the needs are almost overwhelming. Just with all that needs to be done with the building, the training of the leadership, 
the outreach of the gospel to people who live in such abject poverty and with such little hope. Why did God allow North Point? Why did God call North Point to send a team to Belize? It's because God knows those needs. God's aware of those needs. God hears the cries. And hopefully, and hopefully, in some way, you, through those of us who went, were able to minister to those needs. God calls us because of His concern for His people. And then third, I want you to see that God calls us to do specific things. God calls us to do specific things. He called Moses to do something specific. I'm sure he's really a little humor here in Exodus chapter 3 because I'm sure that when God got through down to verse 9 saying, you know, I've heard my people, I've seen my people, I'm aware of my people, I've come to help them. And Moses was saying, that's a great idea, God. Until, and verse 10 says, oh, by the way, Moses, I want you to go. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. God gave Moses a very specific call. You go. You confront Pharaoh, and you bring my people out of that miserable God doesn't call us just to serve Him in a general way. God calls us to serve Him in specific ways. It's not just a service in general, but a service in particular. It might be to teach a Sunday school class, to sing in the choir, lead a Bible study, serve as an usher, call on visitors, be involved in EE. Maybe go on a mission trip. Take someone meals. Pray for people. Help with the grounds around the church. Have people in your home for meals and fellowship. Go see folks when they're in the hospital. God's call is specific. And when God calls, you are to respond. How did Moses respond? Um... Not in a very good way, was it? Verse 11 shows us. Who, me? That's basically what God said, or Moses said to God. Who, me? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Moses is basically telling God, there are lots of people way more qualified than I am. You can certainly find someone who can do this job a lot better than I can. Who am I that I should go? Who, me? You're going to ask me to go there? You're going to tell me to do that? Moses is almost incredulous over it. Well, how did God respond in verse 12? He said, certainly 
I'll be with you. I will be with you. The, the promise for success to, Mo, to Moses was the presence of God. Look, he didn't have anything to do with gifts, with ability, with talent. God didn't say to Moses, oh, you can do it. You can do it. God said, I'm going to be with you. And the assurance of God's presence is what gave Moses the confidence that he could indeed do what God called him to do. You know, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus reflects really everything we see in this text. Remember the Great Commission? All authority has been given unto me, Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them, baptizing them. And lo, I am with you always. You see, there is the voice of authority where Jesus says, All authority has been given unto me. A specific command go, you go. And make disciples of all the nations. And there is a promise with that call. And I will be with you. You see the consistency? Just as God called Moses then, so God calls his people today. No, no, no. Don't expect to see a burning bush. Don't wait to see a burning bush. But listen for the voice of God in His Word. As He speaks to you through it. As He shows you the needs of His people, the needs of the world. And as He identifies to you that which He is calling you to do in His kingdom. I did give my sermon this morning the title Is God Calling You? But I hope that you've seen by now that's the wrong title. The title should be What is God Calling You to Do? Based on His sovereign authority, based on His love and concern for His people, what specific thing is God calling you to do in His church? And then the more pressing question is, how are you responding to that call? Are you responding like Moses, who said, who, me? Or are you responding like Isaiah, who said, send me? Respond like Isaiah, because whatever God calls you to do, whether it's here in this church, whether it's in the community, whether it's in the broader context in the state of the country, or whether it's in the remotest part of the world, God will be with you, God will help you, and God will enable you. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. What is God calling you to do? 
Sometimes we're afraid to ask that question honestly because we're afraid of the answer. Sometimes we're afraid to deal honestly with what God wants us to do with our lives because we're afraid. That it might be out of our comfort zone. That it might involve some sacrifice. It might be something that stretches us, gives us new opportunities or experiences. Don't be afraid. Because God knows you just like He knows the needs of His people. And God will never call you to do something He will not equip you to do. God will be with you just like He was with Moses. His promise is certain and His promise is sure. What is it that God's calling you to do? And how are you responding to that call? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for familiar stories like this one have such relevant applications to each of our lives. And so I pray today that you would take your word and use it as the sword of the Spirit in our lives. Father, give us the courage to ask you what it is that you would have us to do. And give us the faith to believe you when you say, whatever it is, I'll be with you. Glorify yourselves in us and in this church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.